0: Yeah. The hour, and then they obviously look at the rental because these are rental properties, right? So they are, they're looking at the income, they're looking at the income and expenses, they're looking at the DC cap rate and everything before they uh, approve the mortgage for us.
1: Welcome to the Right Club Podcast, where the focus is on helping you, the real estate investor, advance to the next level. And now let's join this week's hosts and share ways for you to customize your life. Hello Right Club Nation, it's Laurel Simmons here. Before we get started, I wanted to ask you a quick question. Have you checked out our online community yet? I really hope you do because our online community is a place where you can find lots of education, training and information about real estate investing and about general business. Plus it's a great place to network with like-minded people. We have interactive forums, all our podcast episodes and tons of videos about a wide range of topics. It's free to join, so be sure to come grow with us at therightclub.com. Now, on with our podcast. Right Club Nation,
2: welcome back. It's Sarah Larby and today we have an amazing podcast with Karan and Kunal who came from India and started investing just recently in the last year and scaled to ten properties without using any of their own money, using other people's money, while they were working full time, and uh, they are making things happen. So it is a great podcast with uh, lots of questions. Karan and Kunal are, you know, super knowledgeable, and uh, they, you know, even in the short year that they've been investing, you know, are are giving some great. Insights. Uh, so I hope you guys enjoy this podcast. Don't forget, check us out. We have lots of virtual events all the time. TheRightClub.com. Go to the events and calendar section, and those are free. So let's uh, you know, come out and, and enjoy the uh, the Zoom webinars. Maybe one day we'll uh, we'll bring back the in-person thing as well. I know everybody liked networking in person. So as the pandemic subsides, I think it's going to be another new opportunity to get back into in-person meetings. But until then, we've got lots of other great events virtually, coast to coast, tons of different top topics every single month. Check us out, therightclub.com. On that note, let's bring in Karen and Kunal. Karan, Kunal, welcome to the Right Club podcast. How are you?
0: Doing well. How are you guys? Yeah.
2: Good. Doing well. good. Good so you've got an impressive story coming you know as immigrants from india and uh and you've really made things happen took some action which is amazing so maybe if you don't mind sharing a little bit your story about how you got uh how you got started in real estate investing
0: sure yeah i'll I'll kick it off and then i'll hand it over to now to uh you know continue so uh i came to canada in 2012 as a student And then uh, like, you know, once I'd finished my graduation, the next step of the puzzle was like, well, get a good paying job and kind of get settled down. So once, like after spending a few years in my corporate career, uh, like I had that stability that kind of I was looking for. So the next piece of Canadian dream as we call it is well, buying a house. So uh, that's when we, you know, what Conal and I uh, and my wife as well, we pulled uh, our line of credits together and then and use it as a down payment for our prime residence. So once that happened, obviously our day-to-day expenses kind of went up. whether well, you have the mortgage and you have the property tax like expenses that you wouldn't have when you are renting a property. So uh, that's when our head kind of started spiraling like, okay, we need to increase our different other sources. We need to include other sources of revenue, like sorry, income in our day-to-day life to help pay for these uh, additional costs. So then I'll let Kunal take over and continue how
3: we got started. Yeah, it was more like uh, I, I came and I graduated university in, in 2017 and <laughs> I was like, hey, what should I do? I got a full-time job well, let's buy a nice fancy car. And I got an Audi as my first car here in Canada. And then as soon as we got the house, I'm like, okay, you know, it's, it's, it's getting a little tight over here. And our plan was also to bring our parents over here so that they can live over here and then, you know, enjoy their life with us here in Canada. <coughs> Bless you. <laughs> and, and so after that, what we started doing was like, I started, essentially with social media. I started following people. I, I follow you, Sarah, for, for a very long time. And uh, it's just networking with people. And then I realized I see people buying so many properties in a year and they're not using any of their money. And uh, then we got uh, a joint mentorship program with Mel and Dave from North Bay. And we were just able to relate with them in terms of like buying properties with OPM. So once we educated ourselves, it was time to take action. Uh, we joined the program in February, starting like the next month, we started putting out offers and here we have a, for our first property under contract, closing is in two months, but we still don't have any money for down payment. And then that's when we started putting our knowledge to work and uh, started raising money. As immigrants, we, we don't really know a lot of people over here. The only people we know are other students and professors so it was just telling everybody we know our neighbors our doctors people we meet at the dog park hey this is how we're doing and we need to like we're looking for a sum of money and we're presenting you an investment opportunity and it's all a numbers game in the end right and this is how we're going to pay you back so that's how our uh, investment journey started and uh, And now we are at in in one year at 10 doors with uh, like four properties and none of our money.
2: Amazing. So 10 doors in one year, all with OPM, opium, other people's money. So so you've got the one single family, one triplex, one fourplex and one duplex. And, uh, you know, doing that all in one year is awesome. I want to talk to you guys about, you know, just like your, your experience with raising money and, and other people's money and and what that looks like. So you, you obviously said you had other than your teachers and, and your, your, you know, your school, uh, other students and whatnot, um, didn't know a whole lot of people, but like, what was the process? And like, you know, if you don't mind, like, not I don't need names or anything, but like what kind of, you know, relationship, um, was the person to you that started lending you the money, uh, and walk us through what that deal breakdown looks like.
3: Yeah, yeah, and you know I do want to give credit to Karan. He, he's very good in he has a lot of patience when he talks to people and other investors. And I'm I'm numbers guy. You know I'm gonna present deals when it comes to raising money. It's mainly my brother over here and like it's it's, it's a 2 pronged approach. So I kind of you know, reach out to people
0: because I have been in the country longer and uh, the kind of industry that I work in. Again, uh, and uh, I network with a lot of people. So it's more like I start talking with my colleagues like hey, this is what I'm doing. Uh, what do you guys think and like so uh, what I said so what we started off with was essentially just starting to pitch people just to get their feedback because we just started we want to be like hey I have this presentation i want to give it to you I don't really want you to invest with me but just give me a feedback how does it sound does it sound too pushy does it sound to the point so while you were doing this presentation one of my colleagues is like hey i don't I'm not ready to invest with you but I know a guy who might be ready to invest with you So he connected us with with that person and that person, uh, so we went out, uh, we met them in person, showed our numbers, told them a little bit about us. He was pretty impressed and that was our first uh, investor. And another piece of uh, the puzzle that he helped us solve was uh, he didn't come with the entire uh, down, so, Stepping on a step back though. The way we structure our deals, essentially we go 85, 80 to 75 percent of the to value, we go with an A just because of a lower better interest rate. And uh, it just makes like sense in terms of cash flow. And what we do is the remaining 20 to 25 percent of down payment, that's what we raise with the private uh, investors in form of a promissory note. So once this we had this person who we connected with. He uh, so we initially went in like, Hey, we need the entire down payment. Then he's like, Guys, I trust you guys, I know you guys, but this is the first time I'm investing with you. I'm not going to give you the entire down payment, but I'm going to still, I trust you, I know what you guys are doing, and I believe in you. And I'm but I'm going to give you a, a portion of the down payment. So, uh, that helped us uh, solve one piece of the puzzle. like, Hey, okay, now we had let's just say we had sixty thousand dollars in down payment money that we had to raise. We raised uh, $30,000. $30, now we only had to go out and ask people for the remaining 30,000 rather than asking for the, like, the entire 30,000, which is a bigger pill uh, to swallow. So that's what we did. We, did. Like, we started breaking down the down payment amount. Like, instead of asking one person for everything, we went to different people
3: and asked for a portion of the down payment or the money they were comfortable investing with. In yeah i think it's all a numbers game in the end right when you show them the numbers that hey i am not paying you out of my pocket is the cash flow paying you eight percent ten percent twelve percent interest rate they kind of understand and a lot of people are just not aware of different strategies that are out there and when you once you tell them it's they it kind of opens their mind I'm like yeah what he's saying is making sense and you know i will get my money back and once you do your first property, after that, like we give all the credit to social media. We started posting our journey, started like showing how people are making money when investing with us and started telling everybody, hey, you know, this is what we are doing. We have a deal in the pipeline. Are you interested to uh, invest with us? And as soon as we get a deal, we create a lenders package and we have a pool of people, we send it out to them. Raising unsecured money is a little challenging compared to raising secured money. So, you know, it, it comes down to how confident you are in doing what you are doing and if you're educated and who you're backed up and the credibility that you have built in the past. And, and
0: essentially also it was the value you're bringing to the table, right? Like, so uh, in one of our deals, we had someone who's also an investor, but they're like more like a beginning investor. They're like, I don't like, I haven't joined a mentorship program, but I've been following you guys. I've seen what you guys are doing. If I instead of investing in the mentorship program, if I invest with you guys, would you guys teach me what you are going through and every single process that you're you're, going, you're uh, with what you're doing? So it kind of became a win-win situation for both of us because we got uh, that person to invest with us, and in return, we were able to just share what we know uh, with them, so that would be helpful for them when they actually start their real estate in- investment journey, and and this person is also getting their principal back. So, but when you were to join like a, a training program, you, get, you know, you're not getting your principal back. You're definitely getting a lot more value out of it, but not the principal. So it was more, that was another strategy that we used uh, in terms of getting investors to invest with us.
1: We're going to take a quick break from the show.
3: Hey, Right Club Nation. We want to take a quick break from the podcast to introduce you to a longtime supporter of the Right Club and many members of the Right Club Nation. Mr. Dylan Suter of Elevation Realty. Dylan, take it away.
1: Thank you so much for this opportunity. We as Elevation Realty are the sponsor for the real estate slot at the Wright Club and we have been attending since the second Wright Club. We are an investment focused, high volume real estate team serving the golden horseshoe from Oakville down to Niagara. If you are looking to increase your cash flows or you want to find an incredible opportunity, we deal with builders, we deal with off market opportunities, as well as we get very creative and negotiate the best deal for even on market opportunities. We've helped a number of clients with the right club find flips, single family rentals, duplex conversions, three and four unit renovations, all the way up to large residential buildings with high cash flow.
2: Guys, and I have to say, I stand behind Elevation and Dylan. They found me. My last few properties have done an amazing job. 100% recommend them. So thank you for all your hard work.
3: Now, back to the podcast.
1: And now, back to the show.
2: So you're still qualifying for 80% loan to value, 75% loan to value based on your T4 jobs, your income, and then you're getting the money for the down payment. Now, are you also sourcing money for any renovations or like what are you doing with these projects, the 10 doors that you bought? Were they more buy and holds or the birth strategy?
3: Yeah, sure. So sure. after we got our first house, we, we we are currently in Milton, Ontario and how the house prices are, we both were tabbed out with our T4 income. We couldn't qualify for more. So all the other mortgages that are small residential loans, essentially buying it under a corporation, so that they're not looking at our ratios anymore. But we do still have to personally uh, guarantee the, the, uh, the amount. And they also do a rent. They can go and collect the rent up until the total of uh, the. Like
0: if we default on the mortgage yeah. payment, then they have that agreement with us, like the bank gets to first collect the rental income in case we default. But obviously you know yeah. they have, and then they obviously look at the rental because these are rental properties right so they are they're looking at the income they're looking at the income and expenses they're looking at the dc cap rate and everything before they uh, approve the mortgage for us
3: yeah and the renovation is always our, our line of credits just so that we have buffer it's not going to be a perfect burger all the time and there is going to be some money in the deal but we always pay our investors back we're okay to take a ten thousand twenty thousand dollar loss just because we're gonna recover that in one year two year time frame from our okay. cash flow that we're generating in our properties and uh, our properties all of them are up north in Sudbury so prices are still reasonable they probably still cash flow out there so that's why we're okay to leave some money in the deal. Uh, yeah
2: So you know you bought all of these I guess in the last 12 months is that right?
0: Yes, correct yes. So we spent February, 21, like February 2021
2: and yeah. And onwards. So there's a lot of people that will say, Hey, Sarah, where are the deals? How do I find the deals yet? You guys are brand new, found four deals. Like what, you know, how did you find these? Were they on market? Were they off market? Were they through refer, for like word of mouth, wholesalers? Give us some insights on that.
3: Yeah. So all of them, all our properties so far were on the MLS and it is just knowing your market. I mean. If a property comes on the market at 9 a.m. in the morning and we analyze it in the next half an hour, one hour or latest by the evening, our offer is already out the same day. We don't want to wait. If there is an offer presentation, you're not going to wait for an offer presentation. I'm going to give you a bully offer based on the numbers. If you want to accept it, accept it. If not, I am not competing with you because, you know, I know what kind of strategy I'm using and I don't want to get into a bidding war when I'm doing a bird project. So it's just knowing your market mainly like analyze as many properties as you can on daily basis. Like properties are at five cap. If a property comes at seven cap, if it's a good neighborhood and there's, there's no catch over there, put an offer right away. And also having, having, because the properties are in Sudbury, right? So we cannot go and look at all the properties before putting offers. So, and,
0: and just a disclaimer of that, like, yes, we are able to, because we run all these limits. We know what properties are good property. We know what properties are bad property. And the reason we are, and obviously the kind of properties we put offers to, they're not the best looking property in the neighborhood. Like they're probably run down, roof is leaking, tenants are very bad, they're hoarders, there's garbage outside. So there's obviously a reason that we are able to get like, yes, we're doing our due diligence, we're doing our negotiations, but obviously the One of the biggest reasons we we're able to do with the negotiations is because of the condition of the property. So you, mm-hmm. like we say for, for investors, we don't want the best property on the block. We want the most rundown property on the block. So we can make it a good property and get them, uh, do the refinance and get them, uh, get the money out.
2: You got to add value. That's how money is made. It's not just through buying something. I mean, again, there's other different types of investors, but the ones that are like wanting to scale uh, and you know newer or still in the growth phase of their journey, it is important to add value to properties rather than just buying something to just sink in Mm -hmm. your money and uh, and do that. So. You know, Sudbury's in Ontario, Ontario has uh, pretty uh, st- like strict rules when it comes to the landlord tenant stuff. So you're, you're getting these properties with tenants in there. Um, yes. You know, what, what process have you had to, to use in order to, you know, burr the properties so that you can do the right renovations and reset the
3: rents? So So, let me, let me try. I mean, there's a trick that we use and then uh, we haven't told it anyone. Oh,
2: good. So you get a trick here on the podcast, the first ever, let's hear it.
3: (laughs) So when we, if we get the opportunity to do the walkthrough during the inspection, after we have received the accepted offer, we go in we have a conversation with every tenant in there. If it's a 20 unit building, we'll have conversation and try to have conversation with the maximum of them and it's it's current strikes why don't you uh, yeah so uh, actually to i i actually got this trick from sean Rea. i was
0: just listening to one of his podcasts yeah. and like he was, was speaking to someone he's like so how do you you know figure out whether you want to do a foam offer on a property or not so uh, like i just followed his advice and uh, what like what, what we essentially do is when we're doing the home inspection I am walking with the home inspector every single in every single unit that we have access to. And then while I'm doing that, and the home inspector is doing its inspection, I'm actually speaking to the tenant. And when I'm speaking to the tenants, I'm asking like how long have they been here? Uh, what do they think of the property and the issues that they have been having? Or and so essentially I'm trying to kind of gauge their how long are they gonna stay in the property during this conversation? That is the intention that I'm trying to get to. And sometimes the tenants are like, oh, you know what, I'm okay. Like I'm thinking of moving or, you know, like this X, Y, Z things leaks in this property or this needs, needs to be repaired. So you're able to get a lot of insights while having this conversation uh, to make a decision whether you want to form up on an offer on this property or like, you know, if the tenant says like, hey, I've been here for 30 years and I'm not moving, then, you know, it's going to be a difficult cash for keys conversation. But when the tenant, oh, you know, I've been here for two years, and I'm thinking about moving, I have like my daughter or sister living in the nearby area and thinking of leaving, then like, okay, this can be a very good potential cash for keys conversation. So uh, it's, that's what we do in terms of uh, when we're walking through the property before we firm up the offer.
3: Yeah. And if there are students, we don't even bother to go and offer them cash for keys. Mm-hmm. They're gonna In a semester or two, as long as they're leaving, Twelve, like, you know, if we have a Promise, or, you know, for 12, 12 months, as long as they're leaving at the nine month or 10 month mark, we're okay with that. And we, we, we do cash for keys with the tenants who are, who are like who have been there for a while. If a tenant tells us that, hey, you know, I'm just here for my daughter's education and her semester is over, or she's going to get a job in Barrie and like, okay, you know, let her live. And then, you know, we'll, we'll not bother her too much. And if she doesn't leave by that time, that's when we're going to approach her and have a different conversation. But it's mainly gauging the interest before even we firm up the deal. And that, hey, is this property going to be a potential burr if we have to return the money in the one year time period? to to our investors, and yeah. in, in in addition to that, while we're doing this inspection, we're
0: also identifying good tenants versus bad tenants. So tenants we would potentially be okay with keeping for the natural turnover, and tenants we want to go with the to the LY the LTB route because while well, some of them could be hoarders, and we've had two tenants that we used LTB to uh, evict them. So this is also a gazing process. So like one thing which I would highly recommend. Everyone does, if it's possible, to go visit the property while the home inspection is happening because this will give you a lot more information about the property that just like, you know, maybe just reading the home inspection report might not give you that information.
1: We're going to take a quick break from the show.
2: Today's podcast is brought to you by legalsecondsweets.com Ken Beckendam is an amazing real estate investor. He understands the process of the conversion inside and out and he has built one of the largest by volume design build firms in the GTA that specializes in legal multifamily conversions, anywhere from two to 15 units. And he's been involved in either the designer or the contractor in well over 250 conversion projects, which resulted in over 600 legal dwelling units. That is a lot of legal dwelling units. And Ken and his team at Legal Second Suites, they cover everywhere from Halton, Niagara, Haldeman, Norfolk, Brant, Hamilton, London, Tri-Cities, Barrie, York, and anything in between. He's one of the few firms that can complete the entire process, you from design to construction to property management. So it's truly a one-stop shop. So reach out to Ken at LegalSecondSuites.com. Again, it is LegalSecondSuites.com. And now back to the show.
1: And now back to the show.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, absolutely. So are you getting these under contract with a condition of walkthrough or something along those lines so that you can, once you've talked to the tenants, decide if it's for you or not?
0: Correct. Yes, yes, 100%. Like all our properties have a good conditional period. I get these two weeks
3: of conditional period. And, and
2: the sellers and the sellers in this market have accepted it. That's interesting.
3: Yeah, yeah. It's, it's getting more and more challenging for sure. So what we'll do is we remove the financing condition, but we'll still have the home inspection condition. Because like home inspection is key. You,
0: you, you need to know what you're buying into because there could be structural issues. There could be issues that you just don't know about.
2: Mm-hmm. So
0: unless you have like a big portfolio of, properties that are sustaining you and you're okay with just taking a loss or so if something uh, unpredicted comes into play,
3: uh, we would definitely want to have an inspection condition in yeah. It also allows us as like when we're because we're buying multifamilies and you know, a fire retrofit or an ESA can cost you a lot down the line if there are any open permits. So once I am doing a walkthrough of the property, I'll, I'll if anything catches my eye, that's not up to code, we, we all did In our checklist, we have like call the fire department of the city and ensure there are no open work permits because, you know, we don't want it to come and bite it, you know what, uh, at a later date. And then we're stuck with like $1,000 in bills just to make it up to code. So it, it's just, we don't keep a fire retrofit condition in our offers, but if something catches our eye, Definitely. Uh, like it's 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 about the due
0: diligence space. Like so, we do our due diligence to make sure that things are up to up to the yeah.
3: court. Try to keep the minimum condition, but still do everything.
2: Mm-hmm. So so, what about management? Like, are you, like you know, are you living in Sudbury? Are you close to Sudbury, or are you uh, are you managing mm-hmm. remotely?
0: Or so hired? we have a property manager in Sudbury. Uh, so she takes care of like the rents and tenant issues uh, and the like any maintenance issues. And we just have this like regular monthly call just to see. If, uh, if some like just to kind of get an update on the tenants, and if obviously if there's something that is urgent that requires our attention, uh, she's pretty prompt enough to just send us an email and like, hey, can I go ahead and do this uh, and perform this maintenance request? So yeah. it's
3: pre- it's been pretty straightforward and pretty seamless. Yeah, and our contractors are in the property because we're rotating tenants like you know one month after another. He has had a job with us for the past year with no downtime. So. You know, if, if you see something out of the ordinary, you're like, hey, you know, this tenant is keeping the garbage outside or your snowplow didn't do their work. You know, we, we can reach out to the property management and then she can handle it from there. So and, and we drive to Sudbury. We, we haven't seen our vault. We, we went there on the 2nd of March, but we went there after six months. So we were not there for the entire winter just because we have a team over there who provides us regular feedback. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Again, in summer, we usually try
0: to drive it at least once or twice a month. So that way we have, we're seeing what the properties are, uh, how properties are doing. But in winter, then we just, we have like, we have security cameras as well on the property so that we kind of get an idea of what's happening if something yeah. major has
3: gone wrong, I can't sleep at night. I'm like, hey, what's happening mm-hmm. on the <laughs> street?
2: What, what about like, like challenges and mistakes? I mean, obviously, you know, you, you've been in the market only for one year, but you probably have a little bit of, of experience with some of the, you know, challenges along the way or mistakes that you made that you can tell somebody that hasn't been, you know, in real estate yet, or, or just thinking about getting started some, uh, some of your insights.
3: Yeah. I do want to, so we recently had a, a high, like ice damming in one of our, like in, in our triplex. And it was the first time we were talking to insurance companies and building restoration people. So one thing that I'll like we'll recommend is never cheap out on your insurance. It's 20, $10, $20 more for a better quote, get it. You know, if your property is not cash flowing $20 or cannot sustain $20 overcharge, you're not buying the right property anyway. So, uh, and, and you just learn as you go. So we saw water leaking and, and then like, Hey, what we should, what should we do? We we're t- calling the insurance companies. They're not getting back to us on time. And like, what should we do? So then someone recommended us call the building restoration people. And it's gonna cost a lot of money, but hey, it's better to prevent it or stop the water going in other units than waiting for the insurance to call you back. And that was a mistake that we did. We waited like a couple of hours before we called anyone because You know, I want the insurance to pay for it and we don't want to make any mistakes. It's the first rodeo with the insurance company. So always have a building restoration person uh, in your speed dial. And then uh, be upfront with your insurance companies. Give them the information, only the information that they ask for uh-huh. Don't, don't don't
0: overload them with information. Just be very
3: like don't hide something from them, but don't
0: give them every single information that like because the thing is if they don't need to know. They don't need to know kind of a scenario. Mm-hmm. Uh, with this, obviously, it was as Kunal said, it was our first time dealing with insurance, uh, so we just didn't know what the next steps would be. What could be what could we anticipate? What questions would be asked for? Things that we, we would need to have in place, and obviously, since we like we were weird because we wanted to call a restoration company, but we just didn't know who they were gonna build, like whether whether they were gonna build the insurance or whether they were gonna build us. So we just wanted to wait for the insurance to get back to us. And while we were waiting that, the water started leaking to the basement unit, and then the basement unit kind of have, started having these issues. Luckily the insurance was able to get back to us within six to eight hours, and we were able to send the building restoration company, and luckily we avoided something bad happened to the basement unit. And we were able to kind of contain the situation. So that was probably one of the biggest, like, recent challenges that we faced, and one of the biggest mistakes that we did was uh, getting the wrong contractor when we first started the renovations. Because you know mm-hmm. how they say, "Don't get the first and the cheapest contractor." Well, here's <laughs> what <well>, that's. It. <laughs> uh, so. And, and it was, again, a learning curve for us um, and like because the contractor, yes, he quoted us a less amount, but the um, period he took to finish the unit was way longer than what we thought. So yes, he didn't charge us money upfront, but it cost
3: us a lot of money. So and holding, cost and holding costs. Uh, and going back to the insurance, just to tell anybody who's interested in the process. So you call the insurance, you send the building restoration company, they'll prevent it from damaging your property further. They'll do any removals, and then they'll send an estimate to your insurance company. Once an estimate goes to your insurance company, they're gonna come back to you, hey, this is the estimate that this person has provided. Do you have any other estimates that you want to take? If you have a contractor working for you, get an, and you trust him, get an estimate to them, and if it's cheaper and if he's a legit contractor, they're more likely go with you. Uh, so this was all new to us. We are like, hey, what's gonna happen? like tomorrow, right? We, and we were learning as we were going through the process. So yeah.
2: Awesome. Well, great insight. Thank you so much for sharing. And uh, tons, ton, you've, you've learned a ton and you've done a ton in a matter of 12 months, which is, uh, it, it's amazing. So congratulations. The next part of the podcast is a lightning round. I'm going to ask you four total questions and you're going to give me the first answer that comes to mind in less than 10 seconds each. Are you ready? Yeah. And check out their website, butlermortgages.com or by email, daniel.patton at butlermortgages.com or michael.zanzini at butlermortgages.com. And let's go to the lightning round. All right, question number one, what is the best advice that you have ever received from another investor or at a networking event?
0: Uh, just go out and be, go out and, network pe- go out and network with people, talk to them, talk to them about how, what you are doing and ask them what they're doing because there's obviously a learning to add
3: every single place.
2: Awesome. Kunal? Uh,
3: so when you're proposing something, tell them that you are giving them a proposal and not asking for money. So I am proposing you an investment opportunity. I'm not begging you or asking you for money when you're money essentially.
2: Awesome. Great advice, both of you. Number two, what is your favorite resource for real estate investing and learning about real estate?
0: So uh, I would like, so podcasts, uh, they are my virtual. Since we drive four hours back and forth to Subway, it's like it's eight hours of drive. That's eight podcasts in a day. So like podcasts and like uh, obviously joining a lot of these investing Facebook groups. uh, So because you might not know what other people the issues that other people are going through. And just by reading through it, by understanding what they have gone through, you might be able to somehow relate to what you are doing and uh, just kind of avoid that mistake or you know apply that learning on your journey.
3: Yeah, yeah same thing. I mean, YouTube videos, social media, I mean, that that has just changed our lives. We, Everybody on social media motivates each other so much. Do not be demotivated if someone else is doing better than you. Just take it as an inspiration.
2: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Awesome. Thank you for sharing the resources. Number three, what is the attribute in your opinion that has made you most successful?
0: It will be going out, like again, going out and networking with people. I was a very shy person and I did not like asking for money. So just having that change in mindset that I am confident in my own skin. And, skin. and as Kunal said, um, we're not asking for money. We're presenting an opportunity, and as long as the numbers and the opportunity speaks for itself, you don't really have to feel bad because it's not like you're taking the money, stealing the money, and running away. You're, it's it is an agreement. It is a partnership. It is an arrangement. So it's just kind of uh, you know having that mindset of
3: uh, being confident, talking to people, and asking them for money. Yeah, I'm sure what I'm going to say, current will agree with it too. It's it's educating ourselves. You know if we would have educated ourselves in february to how to buy investment properties how to analyze them we wouldn't be talking to sarah larvey on the right podcast show
2: all right very cool last question what do you typically do on an average sunday morning
0: uh, watching YouTube videos of real estate investing, I know it sounds cliche, but that is exactly what we do. Like, that's how we start our morning uh, with coffee and then just doing some basic household chores, running numbers on new properties, and
3: yeah, just spending time with family. Yeah, our life are, revolves around it just because we live in the same house, right? I'm going to, we, we talk to ducks. I'm on the upper floor, I'm like, hey, a property came on MLS. Did you analyze it? I'm like, wait, I'll run the numbers. I'm like, okay, I'll call the realtor at the same time. So, and it's, it's, our life is around that. I mean, even our, our, like our wives are like, Hey, when we're doing dishes, what happened at Spruce street, what happened at Douglas street? Is she paying rent? And it's, it's just the same thing every time. And and it is good because
0: we are both very passionate about it. Uh, We are very much involved in it and we know what this has done for us in just in terms of our growth, our learning, the kind of people we have become after our real estate investing journey started is way different than the kind of
3: people we were before we started. So, yeah, you're, you're looking at a person who worked at Tim Morris and drove Uber. Same with Karan. He worked at Subway as a manager. So we have actually grown as people.
2: Amazing. I love that. Karan Kunal, where can the Right Club Nation reach out and find out more?
0: Yeah, uh, for me, I'm both on Facebook at I'm on Facebook as Karan Malhotra. And uh, on, I'm on Instagram as well. And my handle is invest,
3: W-I-D, Karan, K-A-R-A-N. Yeah, same. I'm on uh, Facebook as Kunal Malhotra and on Instagram, Kunal Malhotra, and, but it's a zero instead of an O in the last name. So it's H zero
1: R A.
2: Amazing. Guys, thank you so much for being on our podcast, for sharing your insights, your tips, challenges experienced along the way. I mean, it's been a pleasure having you both on. Thank you so much.
0: Thank, thank you. you so much. Thank you so much for having us. It was a pleasure.
2: Well, right Club Nation, that was awesome. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. Don't forget to leave a rating and review and customize your life. Until next time, see you soon.